Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Good afternoon, tourpreneurs, and I'm super excited this week to welcome Terry Jones. For the young ones amongst you, all the old ones amongst you will know who Terry Jones is, but for the young ones amongst you who don't know Terry, Terry's a 30-year veteran within the industry, very well known. He's an IT veteran as well as a business builder. He's a noted public speaker. He's an author of two books, uh, one on, in on innovation and disrupting disruption of books. He's the founder of Travelocity, 1996, founder, chairman of Kayak, and he was a CIO of Sabre. So he's been around the block a few times, has Terry. He's done over five startups that I know of, and he's exited a couple of them at exit levels I can only dream of. I may have exited quite a few, but I've only exited a lot, lot less than Terry's exited. So he's exceedingly experienced. He's sitting on multiple corporate boards in the travel industry, and he's still seriously interested, even after this exciting career, in travel technology and how to help travel uh, businesses. The reason we've got Terry on is because with all the hype in AI recently and all the discussion of AI and it's just blown up since the 30th of November 2022, Terry's been building an AI for many, many years and has a lot more experience than people who are just pringing up at the moment, saying they have experience. So Terry's been through the trenches and the tough years of AI, because AI has had peaks and troughs over many years, and we're in one of the peaks at the moment, but Terry's been in the troughs, and it's always good to bring people on and speak <laughs> to people who have gone through the tough times as well as well as the boom times. So Terry, welcome to the Tourpreneur podcast. Well, thanks very much. It's great to be with you. So... If we go past over, and we both me and you have been around in the travel sector since the 1990s, we've seen a couple of revolutions. The internet was obviously the big one. Uh, we had the mobile revolution that built on top of the internet, and then, in my opinion, social sort of built on there. But we yep. had three distinct ground-baking revolutions that affected the travel industry, the internet, uh, mobile, and social. Where do you put AI now where we are now with ai in that is it another revolution is it as important as any of them is it more than important than them yeah i think it is certainly as important um you, you know starting travelocity in 1996 we kind of invented the travel ui um and it's amazing it, it, when we started travelocity nobody believed that travel would be big we weren't public uh, all the analysts were all excited about retail and about web van and about all these other things. And yet travel is the largest digital marketplace by far. 
larger than the next three categories combined. You take books and fashion electronics, not as big as travel online. But, but it hasn't evolved. You know, the, the user interface is the same as it was in 1996. What city do you want to go to and what day do you want to go there? What tour do you want? There's no, there has been no change. Whereas in retail, uh, it's changed dramatically. So whereas customer acquisition has changed a lot, uh, I was just on another call and talking to somebody about, hey, Travelocity started by advertising in newspapers. Say, you know, that's how long ago this was. And banner ads. Um, and Kayak was all Google. Um, you know, now you see acquisition changing to social. But user interface is the same. Uh, and the way we develop content is kind of the same. Uh, and that's where I think the big revolution will be in, for, for the user um, and, and for all of us who run, you know, who are operators, and we're talking to tour operators here today, uh, allowing people to find exactly what they want much more quickly, which uh, I proved in, in my AI company that failed, um, increases conversion dramatically. And the AI company that failed, was that Wayblazer, was it? That was Wayblazer, yeah. So we started Wayblazer. I got a call from Ginny Rometty, who was the chairman of IBM, who I knew from speaking. And she said, can you come and teach IBM Watson about travel? Um, and I said, well, there might be some money in that. So I went up and I became an evangelist for them, uh, for Watson for a while. That led to getting to know the general manager of Watson, who was a serial entrepreneur, and he decided to leave IBM and open some AI companies. He said, one of them I'd like to do in travel. Will you do that with me? So we opened it. He wanted to do B2C, but after learning enough about AI and its strengths at the time, I said that domain space is too big. You know, if, if we open a system and somebody says, what's the best Singapore slang bar in Singapore? If we don't know the answer, we're going to get trashed on social media. And we can't train the models. They're too big. So let's do B2B. So we focused first on convention bureaus and then on hotel chains and a little bit of airlines. But airlines are impossible to sell to, so we mostly focused on hotels. And uh, that was a space where we could train the AI. Let's say you take a hotel chain like IHC, you could easily bring all their hotels in, learn about all the content, learn about all their images, perhaps read a lot of reviews, and then you could you could answer questions. Uh, and we did that successfully. Um, so you could make an entry where you could say, you know, I want to go to the Caribbean in the winter and take my family, and it needs to have golf and spa, uh, deluxe hotel me. And on the next page, you could actually show them the right properties with a photo of the spa and a review of the golf. And that was magic. People would buy. And you, you think about how I could do that today. I'm going to have to know the city I want to go to in the Caribbean. Maybe I don't care. The beach is a beach. Um, then I'm going to have to know my dates. Then I get in and maybe there's a, a option, a filter for spa. But I still don't know if the spa is a hot tub or a building. So I've got to look through 100 images. Uh, and then I've got to go after, you know, reviews to learn about the golf course. Uh, and all that goes away. 
So you also gather traveler intent. So they might say, well, I, I want to go to Bali for my birthday or for my anniversary. Okay, now you know it's a romantic trip. You're going to change the images. You're going to change the properties. You're going to, you, you know why they're going. Um, and then you could, if it's a conversational site, you can ask some more questions. Uh, you know, how much money do you want to spend? Who's coming along? Uh, all the, the seven questions I used to ask as a travel agent 50 years ago, <laughs> uh, those questions haven't changed. So uh, I think, you know, we, we were able to build that and it was successful. But at, in those days, hotels and others were just not willing to change their user interface. It was too big a risk. Even though we could prove it, uh, we were also selling to IT, which was a mistake. Yeah. IT is a list of things to do as long as there are. Uh, we should have been selling to the CFO and proving to the CFO we could save them a lot of money. Yeah. So it wasn't the technology that failed so much as it was uh, the ability to get people to take risk. Yeah, the market, I'm looking for the outside in, obviously. It may be a bit early to market for yeah, the market well, was ready. We're with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just early for market uh, compared with the market. We could argue, you could argue even today the market is not fully ready. The market at the moment is trying to get its head around this rather than being totally accepted. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the use case. But, you know, we're seeing now, you know, Expedia, and booking and kayak and announcing, they're going to have chat interface. Yeah, uh, it it may not be access to GPT, or it may. Now you know I was just on the phone with a company who's a content building company, and they've been experimenting with GPT, and they said, you know, we can't use it the way it is. It's simply not accurate. Yes, you can get the suggestions, um, but it it really depends on the question you're asking. So I think. What is impactful about GPT is these large language models that they have built with trillions of inputs um, have made natural language, the ability to ask a question in natural language, much more accessible and much more accurate uh, than it had ever been in the past. And you don't have to rely on GPT. You can, I'm working with a company now who's in, still in stealth, but they they are using the professional access to GPT and training it with travel data. Uh, in this case, they started with airlines. Uh, and we're getting very accurate answers back because we traded ourselves and it can understand uh, the variety of ways that people ask things when they're given a search box versus when they're given a form. So, and Correct me if I'm wrong in this because I'm wrong often, but I'm looking at the new tools and the new abilities of AI being released. And although it's not a commodity because not all companies are adopting at the same time, therefore some will have strategic advantage for a short period of time in my belief by adopting these tools, I see the real defensible is the data that you have and the knowledge you have and then using language models over the top of it that is the real secret source. It's not taking G ChatGTB's trillion parameter yeah. model. It's taking your own data and your own knowledge base and applying these tools to that that is going to serve your customers better and serve your business better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, 
maybe 10 years ago, the head of AI and IBM said the secret sauce is to combine public data with industry data and corporate data. Yeah. So your data alone may not be enough, but your data plus travel data plus maybe adding some of the data from GPT uh, because you've got trillions of inputs and, and they're going to find things that you might not find. Then you get really, really interesting answers. But it is absolutely your, you know, unlocking the key to your data because, you know, data is so structured today um, and it doesn't have to be for these models. And I can unlock, I was doing a search the other day and just said, you know, how can I, if I'm going to Scotland and I want to get falconry, uh, which some Scottish hotels have, well, try asking for that in an OTA. They don't have a falconry filter, um, but the hotel has the data. And there, there's also something we discovered, it was kind of fun, um, a concept called, what are you unknown for? And that, that's my term. So we were looking at the uh, Hotel de Louvre in Paris, which is a Hyatt. And they all talk about how they're next to the Louvre. And they, you know, you want to go to the Louvre, stay at the Hotel de Louvre. Okay, makes sense. But in, in having the AI read their reviews, a lot of their reviews were talking about how they're next to the Tuileries as well. There was nothing on the hotel website that even mentioned the Tuileries. They were unknown for it, but their customers knew it. Yeah. And so what is it that the customers are saying about you? We did a, for one of the large uh, home rental companies, we read all their reviews. So if somebody wanted to say, I want uh, to rent a house in downtown Austin, near downtown Austin with a great backyard. They couldn't find that. They had no idea, but we read all the reviews, so we knew the hotel with a great backyard. And when we responded, we could change out the lead image from the front of the house to the backyard. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff that you have that you don't know you have that people would be very desirous of looking at. And it might make the sale. Yeah. So for our audience, for the tour operators listening to this, try and explain to them where this is going. And again, this is my words that may be right, may be wrong. If we take a simple search as people do it to now, I want a history tour in Paris. That search is, has been getting longer over the last 10 years anyway. It started off as a two-word search. It became a three-word search. We're now going into a world as the consumer gets their hands on these tools where we will have really detailed searches of what that consumer wants to do. And from an operator's perspective, you're going to have the ability to present the right content to the right consumer. At the right yeah, moment, it be that well, video. I'd push back and say, my guess is on most of the sites, they can't even ask that question. They can ask it on Google, yeah. but travel sites don't have a bloody search box. Yeah. You know, I have that little... Uh, you know, magnifying glass. Every other site does. Travel don't because we want to put you in to our little widget so we can make you ask the question that we know how to answer. Yeah. Customers don't like that. That's why they go away and go to Google. And yeah. maybe Google has searched your content in the right way. But, you know, if you ask Google, it gives you 17 million answers. It doesn't give you an answer. And so that's what I think gets to be different is that I can ask that question 
not only of Google or Bing, but of your site and unearth the experience I want to have. And the experience, you know, is, is not only what you're offering, but it is what people have experienced on your trips and what they say about you and what the images say about you and how I can unearth that content and put it on Instagram to attract somebody. You know, I was, I was so fascinated this year at Focusrite, the digital conference, that we saw one of the startups saying, you know, I'm totally on Instagram, that's all I do. And then the, the CEO of Hopper saying, we've pulled from Google. We, yeah. We're not spending any money. All our attraction is on Instagram uh, because that's how people are getting inspired. So how do you use these tools, not, not only on your site, but to create content for other sites? Um, I, I was talking with a, with a company earlier this week who uh, is is looking at, you know, they have a very, they're in the visa space, so they get lots and lots of questions. And they have a, a, a large contingent of people uh, who answer all those questions offshore. And they're going to use GPT to answer most of those questions, you know, so that I can give detailed answers to those questions. Um, and, you know, of course, today, if you look at the, the prototypes announced by Booking and Expedia, they really don't make bookings. They're answering questions or they're giving you a little bit of advice. I think, you know, until it's linked to the booking engine, it's nowhere near as powerful as it will be. Are we in a, a world where those of us who have been around a long time know how fragmented the travel industry is, but are we really now about to discover how super fragmented it is because the individual customers are now going to be asking a range of questions that we've never exposed ourselves, the industry's never exposed themselves. Well, maybe that's a, yeah, that could be a good thing, particularly, you know, you, and you told me your audience is, is composed of many, many smaller operators. Um, you know, now the granularity of what I can ask for says, Oh, you you're doing kayak tours down the river I want to go to with gourmet food. I could never find that before. You know, and 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 to my demographic group or whatever whatever the answer is. So I think I think that's the case and I think what's going to be interesting and I know you have a tech audience as well is the big guys are going to build this. They're already building it. I think the smaller companies are going to have great difficulty in building. This is not easy stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's when we did Wayblazer, we did it with stone tools. It was, it was extremely hard. The tools are way better now, but understanding how to do the training on your data and building it into your site, uh, you know, you're going to need help for that. And, and so I think some of the tech companies, you know, are, are building to that and others will, lag and uh, it's going to be a free-for-all for a while. But I think over time, uh, given our experience with what consumers thought of Wayblazer, if you don't do it and the big guys do it, you're in deep trouble. Yeah. With regards to the competitive landscape and travel is at the moment, I mean, I've got a view on this. The current range of OTAs, to me, with their current data set, never mind the new data they're going to acquire, but just their current data set 
with AI applied gives them a distinct advantage Absolutely. over many, many com companies. Oh, yeah. Never mind the financial or en engineering resource to move. But this to me is super fuel to an existing OTA if they can move fast enough. The only question is, will they move fast enough? Yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm on the board of an AI company, uh, and was there yesterday and they're small and their problem is they don't have enough transactions to train their model. Yeah. Well, that's not a problem for booking or Expedia or Hopper. Yeah. Uh, so, so if you don't have that, so I've been puzzling this out with, with some other folks and it may be that the smaller operators will have to agree to let their data be shared, not their core data, but at least the transaction data, so that technology vendors have enough data to create a competitive model to booking and Expedia, yeah. because it really is about that. Now, maybe we'll be able to, to ride on the coattails of ChatGPT enough uh, that it doesn't matter, and maybe not. That's unclear. But the way these things work, you know, the, the important things to understand about AI you know, is that they un they understand natural language, they, so they can speak. They have sort of the five senses. Uh, many of them, they have speech and vision. Now we can look at images, um, but these are learning models, and they learn all the time. So if if you don't get involved, you're going to stay in kindergarten, and your competitor's got a PhD. That's going to be difficult. Yeah, and one of the discussions we're having in our community with small operators, and it's and it is really difficult for them to, uh, particularly the ones that have not got IT backgrounds and not been following this space. I've been ranting on about it for years, annoying most of them, to be honest. Uh, but at the moment, they, they realize there's a bit of gold glush on. There's tech companies selling to them, obviously. There's a proliferation of chatbots popping up everywhere in everybody's sites. And I'm trying to say to them, but if the chatbot on your site is on five other tour operator sites. It's only got five tour operators worth of data and worth of questions with our customers to be able to learn on. Whereas if you have a chatbot with 10,000 operators on, that thing learns so much quicker because the language models, the way they learn, the more data they've got. Therefore, I'm rapidly coming to the point that community and joint action is going to be the way that small businesses are able to... Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. You know, it, it depends. If if I have a language model that really can understand um, anybody's speech, then maybe the combination of my data and industry data is enough. You know, maybe I don't need... If, if it can be trained on my 200 tours... I don't know, Peter. I'm, I'm I'm still puzzling over that question. Yeah, you could be right. Um, and it, it, I, I I just don't know. I, I'm it's it's a very valid question to ask, and and the market's going to figure that out. Uh, but I'm I'm not sure of the answer yet. Yeah, I, I agree. And if, if we jump out there industry and go into the hotel industry just for comparison. So if we take the Marriott with 6,000 properties or whatever they go, if they build their own solution and they roll it out, they've got all of them properties contributing to the learning process of that model that benefits everybody. But if you're an independent hotel in Paris or Madrid and you're just one of two hotels and you try to deploy some of these tools... Well, I don't know. I mean, we did that for independent hotels. 
and it was very quick to train the model on on the amount of content they have. Yeah. Um, now you look. I did some consulting for Marriott earlier in the year, and as I went in, I didn't know. For example, Marriott's the largest operator of golf courses in the world. Yeah. They have more spas than anyone in the world. Uh, they they're the largest single owner of three star Michelin restaurants. Nobody knows that. That's yeah. stuck in their data. And you can't just go there and say, well, what's the best golf course you have? They don't even know. So that is a competitive advantage they will unlock. But, you know, if 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 I can suddenly look at your website and understand that you have falconry, and I couldn't understand that before because your hotel had what I always call the Soviet list. If you have fax machine, elevator, color TV, and spot, doesn't tell me anything, right? If I can get at the richness of what you do, then that works for your hotel. Now, the, the next level of that will be how do you expose that to search engines? And how do you expose that to the OTAs themselves? Because the level of data the OTA is now going to want uh, in order to answer that question, because they don't have any data. The data they have themselves is about searches. But it, it it's only as good as the content you give them, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, what what is driving airlines to build NDC connections? They they think they have a set of products they can't put on the shelf through the GDS. So they're building NDC so that I can you know I can buy my baggage in advance. I can upgrade my seat. I can see a 360 of the airplane. I can do other things. I think that's going to be a very interesting play is how do I expose the richness of whatever it is that I do to the large roll-up companies that sell so much travel today? Yeah, so in, the, in that world, in our tour operating world, the big retailers, and they're not anywhere near as big as the distributors and hotels and flights because they just haven't been able to capture the market share. Uh, so we have the buyers and the get your guides. Uh, but all the OTAs in this space are they're still less than 10% of the market. Yeah. And one of the main reasons for that is that the market is so fragmented with different data because all the small tour operators are doing a multitude of different activities and different things. It's really, really hard to capture that data. And then if the operators themselves start exposing this other rich data that customers are interested in, there is no way to retail that at the moment, any way, shape, nor form. Right. Well, remember that search is going to change too. Yeah. So, I mean, Google today presents, you know, a thousand, thousands, millions of results, mostly purchased off the first page. That's what you click on. But what happens if Google just has one answer? Right? The answer, uh, which is kind of what GPT does. Um, first of all, what's it going to cost to be that answer, astronomical? Uh, on the other hand, could be worth it. Um, you know, it, it's sort of uh, the example I use today is that if I ask Echo, and I'm going to say Echo, not the other word, because I don't want her to answer because she's sitting here on my desk. Um, you know, what do you recommend the best brand of toilet paper? Or what do you recommend? They recommend one because they know in a, in a verbal interaction, they can't give you 10. Um, so it's already happening there. Um, and, and that may change search, but on the other hand, how are you, you know, is there a better way to display the richness of your content now? Um, 
And is the query going to change or the way Google searches you going to change in order to get at your content? Um, perhaps. One of, one of the discussions we're having internally with people interested in this space and our, our sector of, of experiences is the paradox of we have all of this data and some of it's factual, real hard factual data. But the majority of it isn't factual, it's subjective because it's drawn from opinions. Right. The opinions may be right, they may be wrong, and we have a bunch of data, like location of properties is factual, and restaurants, addresses, etc. There's some hard factual data. There's a lot of subjective data in there as well. So when we start laying across AI tools to pull out these answers to these great questions that customers are asking, or going to be asking in detail, a lot of it's still going to be subjective rather than factual. And it's, sure. it's how, how the models are going to be trained to, to identify subjective answers versus factual answers. Is, that stuff starts to get really confusing. Well, it does. Um, you know, one of the problems we had with Wayblazer, um, we didn't have this problem with consumers, but we had it with travel agents. So we were working for a tour operator and uh, we were presenting things and and. You know, people could say, what is the best hotel in Cancun? And we'd say, this is the best hotel in Cancun. And then we get complaints from the travel agents that said, well, you're wrong. How do you know that? And we said, well, we read 100,000 reviews. And, you know, th this is the ranking we gave them. And then we read, you know, 10,000 or 1,000 editorial reviews. And this is the ranking we gave those from editorial and, you know, sort of like Rotten Tomatoes, what do the critics say? What do the people say? And that's the summation of the opinions. Uh, and the people would say, well, you're wrong. It's not the best hotel. I don't believe that. I think this is the best hotel. We said, well, you know, you can have your opinion. Um, <laughs> our opinion is based on a summation of, of fact and opinion. You know, some fact, some opinion. And, you know, what they got, they got awards and they've done all this. Yours based on your experience. I can't, I can't change that. You know, some people would say, well, this guy was the best president of the United States. Other people would say, this guy's the best president of the United States. I can't fix that. Um, but you can and you must tell people how you uh, summed up your recommendation. What did you use? You know, and and I think I, I think Fandango and those that, that show here's what the critics say, here's what the people say, is a great way to do that. Because they'll, you know, what do we do when we look at Amazon? I read the top reviews and I read the worst reviews. Um, the other thing that that you can do or will be able to do, and I'm about to write a, a blog on this, is when we personalize. When we know that Peter is asking, and I know about Peter, and he lives in Scotland, and here's his demographic group, and everything that I can search and buy about Peter, then I can give Peter a better answer. Because if you say I want a deluxe hotel, well, that might mean, you know, a, a very good motel, because that's where you stay, or it might mean a four-star top resort. But unless I know something about you, the word deluxe, what does it mean to you? Yeah. So uh, the combination of intent with personalization allows you to give a much more reasoned answer to the, the question that's asked. And of course, travel agents have been doing that for years. You know, of all things, my daughter is a high-end travel agent at Beverly Hills. You know, I spent 
my career putting travel agents out of business and my daughter is one. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but you know, and I was one years ago, but you know, travel agents know their clients extremely well. OTAs don't know their clients at all. Uh, it seems, uh, that comes back to the, which again, when we are helping and teaching your community, because we're getting quite a lot of pushback for the community from experienced providers because they're seeing this technology coming. They feel it's disrupting their business. We're trying to exploit, of course, and we're explaining the concept of it's good enough because there's going to, the technology will never be as good as a human. And we use the example all the time of travel agents. Travel agents are better than OTAs. They just are. But OTAs are good enough to win a massive share of the market because they're good enough to answer most of the questions. They're good enough. Well, to you, know, you know, people would say that that MP3 music and the iPod is not as good as an LP, but yeah. it's a thousand songs in my pocket. Speed and convenience have a lot to do with it. And it, it also depends what you're spending. You know, look, Travelocity sold a heck of a lot more tickets to Vegas than to London. Um, and why is that? The more expensive it was, the more people wanted help. Now, that was 25 years ago. It's changed now. But, you know, hey, if I'm going on a, a $20,000 safari and I've been a travel agent, I've been in the business for 50 years, I call my daughter. Yeah. I may do research online, but I call her. Um, so I, I think that it's not going away. But people still do most of their research online. And frankly, on mobile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and if you're not there, they're never going to get to have your great experience. Yeah. We're, I'm using, because I'll try to simplify complex things as much as possible, because I believe if you can't explain it simply, you're not going to get anywhere. So for the operators of views, I'm using traffic lights, green, amber, red. And we're looking at their business and saying, you fit in the green. You're a safari operator to Tanzania, multi-day, high end AI is going to impact on your business is going to impact on the discovery phase is going to impact on the booking phase, the dreaming phase, but it's not going to have too much impact on the actual experience on the ground of people coming, working with you guys, seeing the wildlife. No, the delivery won't change, but I think you have to continue to think about how do I capture the magic of what I deliver? in a way that can be informative to those who have yet to take that trip. That's going to be much more video. It's going to be, you know, video reviews and, you know, video. I mean, look, when, when I go to YouTube today, I did it this morning to answer a question. This coffee cup I have here is, is a super heated coffee cup and it's broken, right? I could, I went on YouTube and it took me to the exact second of the video where the answer was, because that video is you know looked at by AI. Yeah. So, you know, if if I want to go to the one second of the review where somebody says, and then I saw the leopard in a tree, you're gonna be able to do that. And it it was only because this particular guide knew to bring me to this particular place at sunset, right? That's a, a magic moment. Yep. to convince somebody else. But if you don't record it, and if you don't have it analyzed, then sorry, you know, nobody will know. It's, it's, you know, that the other end of the uh, operator's market, 
sticking with my green, amber, red, if we look at an operator who I class as red, let's say it's a history walking tour, so instead of selling $10,000 tours, they're selling $70, yeah. $70 tours, walking around Paris, explaining the history of Paris. I see that flashing red because I see AI not just from the generative, but AI is actually going to be in that operation. Companies, startups, fast-moving competitors are going to create AI Oh, yeah. basically a gay assistance so you will have self-guided which is the fastest growing sector in the guided tourism as it is without ai once you lay ai over self-guided you're just going to explode the market for people and destination well, doing people, their own thing people are going to be wearing glasses not on the top of their head like you were yours but yeah. on their eyes um that will show them paris in medieval times right i mean one of the best tours I ever had, I went to a place called uh, Medina Azara. Um, you know, it's a basically lost city in Spain. And it, what is it today? It's a pile of rocks, like a lot of other pile of rocks I've seen around the world. But they have a video that's almost like a video game that completely recreates that place with people. What was it like? Right. And, and a magical guide can tell that story but frankly, not as well as a video can tell that story. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think that will happen. Um, and and so the question will be, you know, who are the people who are digitizing the best guides and the best history? Um, yep. You know, I went to the Palace of Knossos when, when I was 21, going around the world. I had no money and a guidebook. I couldn't afford a guide. And it was great. I went back and my daughter said, you need to go with Pablos. He's he's translating documents in He showed me things the Palace of Nosos I'd never seen. Somebody will digitize Pablos yes. at some point. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, I think those kind of historical things will will be a problem. So how do I how do I get there? How do I digitize it? Some people will want that experience. Certainly kids will. They'll use their phone more than you know, people our age would rather be with a human probably. Um, but it, that, that is probably flashy red. You're not, you're not wrong there. Yeah. The, to try and get over, because there is a lot of fear around it, we're trying to introduce the concept to the operators to build on, which is the hybrid model. Whereas if they're retailing a tour tour at the moment for $70, they can continue to retail a tour tour for $70, but they can add another four hours onto that tour that is AI guided by an AI digital assistant. And retail it for ninety nine dollars. So the customer sees a six hour tour, and a right. good value and marginal cost is you know more than best how it falls through. This can actually be a boost to some of the operators if they apply well, it. Yeah, and it maybe I can get you into the thing that the virtual tour won't get you into, or I'll take yeah. you to the lunch, or I'll have the cooking experience with you that I can't do. What are the things I can't do digitally? Yes. You know, and they're the highlight. They become the highlight. The things where you have to use your hands, have to use some equipment, have to right. You're, I you're have the making much, much more important than yeah. not. You know, I, I, as you said, I have a book called Disruption Off, which talks about technology and its disruptive effects, and then tries to tell people how to deal with that. And I open that book and I open my speech with a story about a limo company. So I lived down in, in San Clemente, California in the, in the summertime, two-hour drive to LAX. I used a local limo company. And one day the guy said, would you review my website? 
And I said, sure. Um, and I was amazed. I couldn't book. And it had no price. And I said, why not? He said, well, I want people to call me. I said, dude, it's the 21st century. People don't want to call you. You know, they just want to book. Well, you know, I'm not sure. I said, why do you open a, just what you said, a second website? Call it San Clemente Online Limo. Put in pricing and booking capability. Keep your old website. Probably won't cost you more than a car to build this thing. And let the customer choose. And you don't care. You just want bookings, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he no, he, he wasn't sure. And I finally said, how old are you? And he said, 55. And I said, that's too bad. He said, why? I said, because you won't own this business when you're 65, if you don't change. And this is before Uber was big uh, down in in Southern California. Well, three years later, I got an email, bankrupt. He could have changed. Uh, He had the assets. He had the brand. He had the cars and drivers. He just didn't know how to tell his story in a digital fashion and didn't want to change. and, and I think that's true with many of the businesses we're talking to today. You have the asset. You have the brand. You have things startups would kill for. You just got to get your own money out of your own way and take some risk. That kind of brings us to the concept of speed. Where do you believe Verf sees the last 30 years where, because I believe since 2009, 10, we haven't seen real innovation in travel at all. No. Very, very little innovation. Therefore, we've not seen much innovation. Therefore, the speed of innovation and the speed of deployment hasn't been particularly fast. But I, my gut and my brain is telling me at the moment we're in a different world regards speed and the real, the need for speed and deployment and testing and learning. What's your kind of opinion on speed to market? With I, I think it will change fairly quickly. Um, you know, I think if the large operators deploy this as they have said, um, and if they see, and I believe they will, significant conversion impact, um, then anybody who doesn't follow quickly is in trouble not only because uh, uh, the consumer will change, but the learning, AI, will learn in a way that you can't keep up with. So, you know, I bet too early on this and, and lost to people, including myself, a lot of money <laughs> with Wayblazer. Uh, I'm back in it again because I think it is is unfortunate, as I said in the blog that connected you and me, that the user interface of travel is so far behind the rest of the world. And now it has an opportunity to leap ahead. We are the biggest digital marketplace. Um, We're seeing a change of how people are attracted, moving from Google into social media. we have to think about that. How how do how do we move from somebody getting excited about an Instagram reel to a booking? Nobody's doing that. Yep. How will chat change that? I think I think it could move pretty quickly, and and be very positive. I don't think it's a negative. Yeah, yeah. So on the just on the big players again, Expedia and Kayak jumped in very quickly with a plug-in into chat GPT. Am I reading it? Are they accepting from a strategy point of view that chat is now a top of a funnel, equivalent to where Google's at the top of the funnel because they're plugging into chat? Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I think what's going to work is when they plug chat into their yeah. site, into their mobile app, into voice, into the web, into all that. I think, I mean, today, their plugins don't do anything. 
yeah, yeah. You know, they'd say, well, here's the answer now. Cut and paste and go do that. That's that's just a, a demo. Now, maybe, um, you know, what might be more interesting is see what happens in Bing. Um, and, you know, does Bing, because of their investment in OpenAI, uh, begin to become a travel player as Google is a travel player? Because Google, you know, not only is the biggest travel advertising site, they're a huge booking site, or at least yeah. better site. I mean, you know, I as you said, I help lead Kayak, and Kayak now has great difficulty in competing in that marketplace because of what Google is self-dealing. Um, so I think th those are just little experiments, little Petri dish, but mm -hmm. I think they will get to the point where they deploy this in various ways. Um, now, some people said, oh, you know, Trip Inc. or somebody deployed ChatGPT on their site. Well, yeah, to answer questions. Yeah, yeah. That's good. People should do that, but that's not where it's going to go. It's going to go in a booking. Yeah. And the the power of the brand is still going to be paramount because if you're a known brand, if your app is already on people's phones, you have a distinct advantage over sites. Yeah, and we found it was interesting when we did a test for a large hotel chain using voice, we found it was their, uh, their points customer, their loyalty customers spending their loyalty points who were really asking the fascinating questions. Because you found, like, I had a good friend who was a traveling salesman, stayed in the cheapest Marriott's all the time. But when he went on vacation, he stayed at the Ritz, right? Because yeah. he was using all his points. But they wanted to ask the question about kids and golf and sup boards and all that stuff because Marriott has 8,000 hotels or whatever it is. And I don't know what you have, where. And it's too darn hard to find it with the kind of, catechism of search we have today that's where i think it's going to change big time for brands i mean i said to american airlines when we had Wayblazer, why can't i go into my advantage account and say where can i use my miles this month to go skiing and just give me an answer i don't care where i go i want to go where it's free <laughs> and then american why don't you sell the bloody hotel and make some money well, the airlines can't get it, you know, can't get out of their own way. They've never done that. But so those kind of combinations, I think, will be spawned by this, or could be. In the startup world, and you've done enough startups and you're still involved in startups, do you think the startups have a chance in this space? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they do. Uh, that's why I'm working with some of them, because I think they're the ones who will supply the rocket fuel to people like your customers. You know, build the booking engines. Uh, you know, Expedia and, and Booking and Hopper will all build their own booking engines, but they're not going to share them. Um, yeah. So I think startups that can, and I've talked to half a dozen. I just talked to a content guy who's doing it. I talked to a Visa guy who's plugging it in, you know, uh, and they want to sell to other people, either their content models or their booking tools. Uh, there's, there's lots and lots of it going on. So I, I think startups, now I think a startup who wanted to just say, I'm going to be the first chat TBT powered OTA. No. Yeah. You, you've got you to have a different angle on this. Um, yeah. But I, I think there'll be people who, who find, you know, it's a huge market. Um, and and there, there, there are lots of niches that we can uh, we can automate with these tools in an interesting way and a lot of combinations. Uh, I think that's the other thing people ought to think about is, 
you know, how, how, how am I going to combine with the rest of the trip in a new way? Because people are asking these holistic questions and that, you know, if they get one answer for an airline or one answer for a hotel, one answer for a tour operator, maybe that isn't the right thing to do. So you go back to your industry, look, and maybe things will combine in on Yeah. And as you said, right at the beginning of the podcast, for small and medium-sized businesses, doing this in-house is probably beyond them because it's technically very difficult. It's yeah. From the learning model and from the experiments we've done, it is incredibly difficult. It is. Uh, Therefore, from a startup world, that is a ready market. If you have yeah. hundreds of thousands of potential customers who are finding something too de- too technically difficult, but they know they have to use it and deploy it for the customers, it is a right market for the startup. I'll, I'll, I'll be back when my startup comes out of stealth, which <laughs> pretty pretty soon. We we you know we've had it's tough. ChatGPT initially was unreliable. We've now gone to Microsoft and gotten a better pipe. Make it yeah. more reliable. We've done better training because it was coming back with dates for 12, 12, 4, December 4th, 4 December. Well, computers don't like that. They like reliability. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I think we will see these become less of the Wild West in a short period of time. So just to wrap this up, Terry, and thanks very much for your time and your thoughts here. What what would be your advice to, as I said, the audience is mainly small operators, some tech companies, but mainly small operators. What would be your advice for them at this stage as tour operators, what they should be doing with regards AI? Well, I'd I'd watch it very carefully. Um, I would, you know, go to the trade shows, listen to people like you, um, and and watch how it's changing and see when you can get involved uh, because I think it will change distribution. Uh, there'll be startups trying this, and you know the world of innovation is about an experiment. As as Jeff Bezos said recently, it isn't an experiment if you know the outcome. We don't know the outcome here, and you're going to have to take some of your capital to experiment, and you will fail. But failure is how we learn. Um, and and so you're going to have to do some experimentation. You're going to have to try. It's not going to work right at first. But uh, given the speed of these models, uh, you, you don't want to be the last person to try because uh, you just may never catch up. So I, I urge you to, to watch it carefully, do some experimentations, go to the trade shows. I always go to the little booths on the edge because that's where the exciting stuff is happening. The big booth in the middle is the stodgy old company that isn't changing. Um, and and keep, in, keep in touch, keep reading, keep watching. And ask Chat, Chat GPT for the right answer. <laughs> so to produce, don't be the last person to try, because you may not be able to catch up this time round at this technology revolution. The other ones you've been able to catch up, this time you may not be able to. So get in there, start trying, start testing, start experimenting. Terry, thanks very much for your time and your advice this time around. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Peter.